Informed consent, getting to yes, is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Allergan Eye Care. Welcome to our podcast, Informed Consent, Getting to Yes. I'm Marguerite McDonald of the Ophthalmic Consultants of Long Island in Lindbrook, New York. In this podcast, we interview key opinion leaders about how they tell patients what treatment or program they recommend and why, and get them to say yes. We want to hear what well-balanced words they use to quickly and efficiently cover all the important pros and cons, but still lead patients to accept the recommended regimen. Today, our distinguished panel of guest ophthalmologists will be discussing how they explain and get acceptance for extended focus and accommodating IOLs. So let's introduce our four guest physicians, beginning with Dr. Jim Loden, president of Loden Vision Centers in Nashville, Tennessee. It's great to talk with you, Jim. Thank you so much, Marguerite. Always enjoy our times together. Next, we have Dee Stevenson, who's the president of the American College of Eye Surgeons and CEO and founder of Stevenson Eye Associates in Venice, Florida. Welcome, Dee. Thank you, Marguerite. The esteemed Dr. Vance Thompson is also with us. Dr. Thompson is a professor of ophthalmology at the University of South Dakota and director of refractive surgery for Vance Thompson Vision, both in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thank you so much, Marguerite. It's an honor to be here. And last but not least, we'll be hearing the valuable insights of Dr. Blake Williamson of Williamson Eye Center in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Thanks, Dr. McDonald. What a great panel. Why don't we start by finding out how everyone feels about the state of the EDOF and accommodating lens technology today. I just think, what a great time to be a refractive cataract surgeon. I find uh, that specifically the, the new generation uh, multifocals and the now the EDOF lenses have been uh, fantastic in you know patient happiness. I feel like the companies have brought us absolutely amazing technology with the low ad multifocals and the extended depth of focus implants. Uh, we still have also the accommodating implant and, and technology that's on the horizon. But right now, our patient satisfaction levels have never been higher uh, because of these technologies uh, the industry has brought to us. Well, the technology has just exploded. We've seen the progress with the low-add multifocal lenses and the extended depth of focus lenses, and this is just a great increase in our capabilities. What about you, Dee? Well, you know, Marguerite, um, you and I have been doing this a long time, and it's an exciting time to be into ophthalmology. Um, there have been some new lenses on the market recently with the Symphony and the Symphony Torque, the low-add multifocal uh, from uh, Alcon, and, of course, the TrueLine accommodating lens that um, is the same platform as the Crystal Lens platform. And I find that um, I have a place for just about all of these lenses. You have to have the, the right personality uh, for, for advanced IOLs, as you know. You have to pick the right patients. And we feel like we do a great job at that at Williamson Eye. We do the Dell questionnaire. I have a chance to talk with every single patient preoperatively. Well, the Dell questionnaire is really terrific. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about it? What's great is to, for, the, for the patients to have an idea of what they want uh, before you get in the room. Um, and it's, it's great because it gives you an idea of, of their personality. So, you know, what the Dell questionnaire does is it says, you know, are you more interested in, you know, near vision or intermediate vision? You know, do you, is driving at night uh, critically important to you? If you had to wear glasses for one task, what would it be? That sort of thing. And it gives you a sense of the patient's lifestyle, uh, how they want to use their eyes after surgery. Uh, everybody has a, a right to know uh, 
how they can use their eyes after surgery. So the Dell questionnaire kind of gets it, uh, gets you in the frame of mind of what this, what IOL this patient may want. And at the very end, it, it talks them to sort of grade their, it asks them to grade their personality. And a lot of times, <laughs> some of them won't even circle <laughs> whether they're, you know, a perfectionist or easygoing. And those are the ones you have to kind of, you know, think about, oh, is this really a good multifocal candidate, you know? That seems useful, particularly because the patient's lifestyle and expectations are so critical in picking the right IOL. I think it's probably the best questionnaire. There's some things that I have reworded a little bit, you know, for the type of patient, but I think it's an excellent thing. I think I'm going to start using the Dell questionnaire. What sort of person would you recommend an accommodating IOL versus multifocal or extended depth of focus, Vance? Well, any more... Um, since I don't have a, a, a true accommodating implant, I can use what I call a, a, a pseudo-accommodating implant with the crystal lens. I have a tendency to reserve that for uh, a fairly highly aberrated uh, cornea because really what I'm trying to do is not uh, create reduced contrast or contribute further to reduced contrast in a patient that may be um, having some nighttime glare issues even before they develop the cataract. And so I have a tendency anymore to lean real heavily on low ad multifocals and extended depth of focus as long as they have a fairly uh, clean cornea and there's not a lot of high order aberrations uh, coming from their cornea. I'm doing, you know, 40% of my patients in cataract surgery with low ad multifocals and extended depth of focus. I encountered the, this exact question just this week while my optometrist came to me and said, I need you to interview this patient. And that's what it really comes down to, uh, doing an in-depth interview. And I sit down with a patient and I say, share with me what you do at work and what you like to do on a recreational basis. The woman I was thinking of is an analyst, so she runs two large computer to, computer monitors. She has a iPad or a laptop computer with her, and she's working on spreadsheets. So this is a more difficult patient to work with because we're working with three zones of vision continuously. So we counseled her as to what the low-ad multifocal would do, it could probably get her reading her spreadsheets. Uh, the optimum range would be somewhere between 18 and 20 inches for looking at her near vision and her computers. But that her larger computers, she may have to increase the font size on. The other option is to maybe even do a mix and match with a extended depth of focus lens in the dominant eye to give her more of that intermediate arm's length vision where she was showing me her monitors were at arm's length. So it's really about taking the time to interview the patient and find out what their personal needs are. So D, pretend I'm Mrs. Smith. I am the perfect EDOF candidate. I have a healthy cornea. I have almost no dry eye. You know, I don't have a, a bizarre angle kappa. So how would you explain EDOF to me and get me to say yes. Well, first of all, you've had an exam and you know we've and you and you knew coming in that's what you wanted. So, I uh, you know basically you know I, I have a little spiel, but my biggest person is my surgical counselor. But I have a spiel and and I do say you know I have more experience with these lenses and less experience with these. But we've learned over time that not all these premium lenses are created equal, and um, you know the intermediate is so important to them. 
And, um, you know, but I also want to talk to them about driving because, you know, driving at night. I'm not sure that the uh, the extended depth of field uh, symphony or symphony torx are, are for them, you know, because they do have halos and glares. All it be less than with the current technology and, and the new LOAD Alcon lens, they have less uh, halos and glare. But that's a big issue. But how do I convince the patient? The technology probably doesn't matter to the patient at all. It's what their outcome is going to be. And I try to encourage them to know a little bit about the lens and know about the downsides of it. But at the same time, a lot of times the patient has their mind made up. It's usually not very hard to convince them to do something different if it's what I choose. But a lot of times, you know, they're, they're, they're telling me what they want. So that's where I have an issue. So I just have to say, well, remember. And I have them sign something that tells them that we've discussed this. So they actually sign it. I sign it, date it, and I give it to them. I keep a copy and they keep a copy. So I always go back and say, I only promised you this at near, and this is what you circled. So if you're J3 and you circle and you come in and you're J1, I've given you more. So always, I always undersell it. I always undersell it and overdeliver. Informed consent, getting to yes is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Allergan Eye Care. I'm a uh, nice, normal candidate for an EDOF lens. Uh, I've got great topography. I don't have severe dry eye. Um, how would you Explain it to me. How would you get me to yes? What would you say? I'll tell you exactly how I do it. You know, before I enter the room, the first thing that my technician tells me, uh, they, they need to tell me two things. I only want to know two things before I enter the room. And the first thing is, what else is wrong with the patient's eye besides the cataract? And the second thing is, do they have any astigmatism? And if so, where is it? We know that second question can be quite loaded. We want to make sure that our topo and our eye oil master and everything's matching. But, you know, the reason I, I do it like that is because if a patient has some dry eye, if the patient has some, some AMD or something, which they invariably do, I always position that as the primary problem in the sense that it's chronic. There's no cure for that, only treatment. Um, and I say the cataract is something that I can fix, but you're still going to have these other issues. And then I bring in the astigmatism component. And I say, here's something that we can fix. And by the way, you're going to have to fix it one way or the other, either after surgery with spectacles, or if you prefer, since you're already on the table there, we can use my femtosecond laser, or we can use this specialty advanced lens to fix your astigmatism and get you seeing better. And when I, when I, when I say it like that, patients are much more agreeable because they say, okay, I have this, this, and this, which can't be fixed, but treated, but I have these things which can be fixed. Of course, I want to fix those. So in terms of what I say to talk about a multifocal IML, uh, IOL, such as a, a TMF or a symphony lens, you know, what I tell them is the lens that you choose for your eye is the most important decision you're going to make for your vision for the rest of your life. And the reason I say it like that is because it's exactly, it's almost like putting in a heart valve in the sense that it's never going to come out. I'm never going to do this again. You're never going to have cataract surgery again. So it's in there forever. So it's very important that you think critically about how you want to use your eyes, not only now, but 10 years from now. And when I, when I kind of uh, frame it like that, the patients are understanding uh, the finality uh, of, of, of cataract surgery and having a lens implant in there. And I found by doing that, we're able to get much more conversions. One of my favorite questions to ask is, if I gave you great 
distance vision without glasses, driving at night without glasses, watching TV, going to a sporting event, but you still had to wear readers for up close in computers. Would that be acceptable or unacceptable? That question gives me a lot of insight into the patient's expectation and what they're really wanting. When they tell me that's not really what I want, that's when I really start going into the extended depth of focus or multifocal lenses. Then I share, I ask questions. If you could have great distance vision, dashboard of the car really clear, looking at a computer monitor, looking at price tags in the store, uh, going through a grocery store, looking at the shelf prices, but you still had to wear some plus one readers for fine print, would that be acceptable or not? That gives me insight as to whether an EDOF lens is going to work well for them. If they say, no, I really want to read, like an English teacher I did surgery on recently. I said, what do you do? And she says, I read a novel a week. Well, I'm going to do a little bit higher ad multifocal lens on that patient. She says, I don't play sports anymore. I don't really, you know, I do a little bit of nighttime driving, but I'm not doing a lot. This is a true multifocal lens candidate in my practice. I'm also looking at the patient and I'm looking at how long their arms are, where they're probably going to enjoy reading. Sometimes I even ask them to show me uh, at what distance they want to read and do they use a computer a lot. And when they really are talking to me about, hey, I want to be able to do the majority of what I do without glasses at distance intermediate and near, if I'm going to do that with a lot of confidence, I have a tendency to drift towards a low ad multifocal, um, somewhere in that 2.75 ad to 3.25 ad range. And I'll even mix and match, sometimes using the 275 ad and the dominant eye and the 3.25 and the, the non dominant uh, eye. If there's someone who says, you know, I do uh, a lot of nighttime driving and I really want to, you know, maximize my contrast sensitivity, but I don't want to do monovision. Um, and I really want to not have to use glasses at distance and intermediate. And hey, if I need to, you know, sometimes put on a pair of, of readers for near, I'll be okay. Then I'm drifting towards extended depth of focus in those situations uh, because the, you know, low light image quality um, has been, been so impressive. So I'm Mrs. Smith. Um, I'm going to tell you that um, I'm still working uh, and I do everything on a digital device everything. I almost never pick up a, a hardcover book. So I would say, Miss Smith, you know, I really feel like an extended depth of focus lens is going to be the premier product for you. What I, my expectation for you is postoperatively is you're going to be able to drive without glasses. You're going to be able to see the dashboard of your car. You're going to be able to look at a computer monitor. You're going to read, be able to read a Kindle or iPad as long as you hold it out about 20 or more inches and use a little bit larger font size. That's going to be a really good product for you. But if you're in a dark restaurant, if you're trying to work real small figures, balancing your checkbook, looking through accounts, you're probably going to need some plus one reading glasses. Would that be acceptable for you? And if they say, yes, that's acceptable, then I'm immediately going to go into the EDOF technology uh, and schedule the patient for that. If they say no, that's not really, if she says, Dr. Loden, I really, I know you, I said I don't read that much, but I really, I want to go to a 
dinner and be able to read the menu without my glasses, then I'm going to go more toward the low-add multifocal at that point. I feel like it's really important to discuss this preoperatively with them to set their near points. I even go over what size print that I expect them to be able to read, what size print I don't expect them to be able to read, and the distance that's going to be necessary to facilitate the best visual outcomes. Of the presbyopia correcting IOLs that are available, uh, would you consider putting any of them in someone with, say, a well-centered myopic or hyperopic laser vision correction, a PRK or LASIK? Sure. You know, so so obviously an accommodating IOL would be would be uh, uh, you know absolutely reasonable in those cases. You know what I've found is that these EDOF lenses have actually worked very well in that setting as well. I know, I know a lot of people who who have been doing this, and, and, and I've had some success doing it. Um, and, you know, the Symphony has been um, just a, a really a windfall uh, in terms of uh, uh, freedom from glasses and, and, and less nighttime symptoms than our traditional multifocals. And I've, I've put them in a fair amount of post-refractive patients. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, the topography is very important, um, but uh, I think that it's possible to try some of the EDUF lenses uh, in the post-refractive setting. Multifocals, I, you know, I just, I just hadn't gone there. Um, just because really you ha I hadn't needed to, you know, if, if you have a great option like an accommodating IOL in a patient like that, uh, and now the EDOF, um, I don't know that you really have to go to a multifocal, but I do know that some people are doing it successfully. I'm getting so many post-refractive patients now. Uh, the baby boomers are back with cataracts, and they want the same results as they, they got with their um, refractive procedure. It's all about tor toricity for me. Um, happy patients are different today than happy patients were 25 years ago or 28 years ago when I started. So um, patients come in and have an idea of what they want, you know, whether they want to, they don't mind wearing reading glasses or task glasses, but they want to see perfect far away. Um, so, you know, there's several options for them, uh, accommodating, you know, uh, uh, multifocal and extended depth of field lenses. So you have to really look at the eye and the pathology of the eye. But what exactly do you say to that kind of patient advance? A situation like that where patients had previous refractive surgery, there's a very high chance they want to do a lot without glasses. And then if they have a fairly uh, aberrated cornea, but at the same time, she maybe was pretty happy with that 16-cut RK because I find that sometimes people will go to blaming the RK for nighttime glare uh, when before they had a cataract, they didn't have a ton of nighttime glare. They were happy with their image quality. And if she said she was happy with her image quality before RK, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk with her about, you know, both EDUF and I'm going to talk with her uh, also about the accommodating implant. But if I see a fair amount of high order aberrations, or for sure if she always felt like she had nighttime glare prior to cataracts developing, um, I'm going to do the accommodating implant. And I'm going to tell her that the principle of the accommodating implant is such that we typically will get real good distance, real good intermediate sometimes actually quite good near, especially if it's in both eyes. And we can get even better near if they allow for a little bit of mini monovision. Uh, we'll go for plano, typically in the dominant eye and around minus one in the non-dominant eye. 
And it's amazing. We can make a lot of patients happy that way, especially if they don't mind a little pair of glasses uh, for nighttime driving and, and occasionally reading. But that's good expectations to go in this with is, hey, if we can get you doing 90, 95% of what you do without glasses, will you be happy? And they say, yes, I, I know I can help that person be happy with that technology. Great. And um, do you ever use percentages like 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 you told me, like, hey, you know, 90% of the time, I actually love using percentages because they can really wrap their brain around it. Yeah. No, I do. I, I feel comfortable, um, especially saying 90 to 95% when, when I feel uh, the majority of the time I'm going to be able to achieve their expectations. I'm trying to leave in that 5 to 10% expectation so they know pre-experience that they're not going to be 100% spectacularly uh, independent. I love saying we're not here to rid the world of glasses. What we're here to do is uh, you know, rid the world of spectacle dependency. I'd like to know how you counsel patients about night vision. I tell everybody that any of these products have the potential to give them some light phenomena. Even when we look at monofocal lenses, if you look at the package inserts, 3 to 5% of patients typically have some photopsia described in the FDA clinical trials with monofocal lenses. So I'm very upfront that we do expect some photopsias with any of these products, and it's just a matter of what they can manage. I know that we could keep this going, but we've covered a lot of ground about your methods of getting to yes on extended depth of focus and accommodating IOL. So thank you all so much. Absolutely, Marguerite. Anytime. Thank you so very much, Marguerite. Thanks, Marguerite, for everything. Thank you for the opportunity. This is great. What a great discussion. But with guests like these, it always is. So please join us for the next Informed Consent, Getting to Yes.